Chris Up Maniacs. You're listening to another Chris ends. <laughs> so it's pre-recorded with the podcast. Anyway, Chris, Chris is uh, going on a trip, and we love Chris. Love to support our podcast editor. Hey, but I got the other Chris, Chris Coyer here in yeah. the studio. How are you, Chris? I'm all right. Pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. Just this is, you know, this will come out, you know, days after this has actually happened to me. So I, I hope for my own future self's sake that this is uh, resolved. But it's just, uh, I have a, at work here, I have a Mac studio. You know what mm, I mean? A little, mm-hmm, it's a little mm-hmm. gray cool box. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just thought I would try it out. This is, I don't know, at least a year ago, I decided to get it probably shortly after it was released thinking, I'm just going to have a, I'm going to have a, a work machine. It's just always here. It's always on. It's always plugged in. It's always ready to go. It's beefy, powerful. Mm-hmm. Most That's powerful. Be the new me. Yeah. Don't really regret it. Been really great. Retrospective. Just, I love all the ports on it. You know, I, I need, there's so much, there's zillion ports on it. Doesn't need any extra thing it really is a, a a powerful machine it looks good i don't know no no real regrets there i got questions about the laptop my like when you do work yeah. on a laptop is it just like where's my files or is it do you feel like you're most- well the thing is i work on i i'm like 50 50 okay. straight up so like the machines are really in sync the okay. dev environment works on both of them just fine Everything is fine. I Dropbox files, but I'm not that heavy on using files. Mm-hmm. It gives me good Git hygiene because I'm always, you know, making sure everything is gitted up so I can pull and make sure yeah. both machines are fine. And I use Arc, which keeps all my tabs the same. So it's like nothing ever changed when I'm in my browser. Mm-hmm. keeps everything mm-hmm. in sync mm-hmm. nicely mm-hmm. there. So, yeah. Pretty seamless. Uh, That's seems, nice. It's pretty seamless. Although, so I get into get to work, and I was I was doing something. I was just about to hop into this Riverside FM room to do a show with you, and I noticed my monitor was blank. I'm like, hmm. oh, that's weird. So I, I start hit the keys. I click the mouse a little bit, try to get back on, and it's just off. The computer's just off. I'm like, hmm. wow, that's that's not good. <laughs> yeah. So I go click the button to turn it back on. Doesn't turn on. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. So I like, I like unplug the whole power strip. You know, everything in the room goes dark. I'm like, oh, I guess I got a lot of stuff plugged into that. <laughs> Plug it back in. Should be good to go. But press the button and it won't. It just is just off. It just computers just will not turn on. Uh-oh. So I was like, oh my god. And of course, you know, I have all this cable management. You know, we went on that bed. Yeah, it's probably yeah, about eighty yeah. percent as good as it was at its best. It's still in pretty good shape. So I had to go underneath the desk and unvelcro stuff and whatever. So I just extract the Mac Studio from the office and try another plug. I'm like, oh, maybe it doesn't have enough juice or something. I don't know. Yeah. And it would make like a little blip. There's a little light in the front of it. And then, and then, and then one time I got it to chime and I was like, oh, oof, it's back. Good. Or something, you know, went back to the desk, plugged it all in. Nothing won't go. I'm like, gosh, is it the desk? So I go try another outlet. It's behaving badly, but I do get it to chime once. And I was like, okay, go back to the desk. Won't go. So it's, is it like, is it the desk? I kind of don't think it is. Yeah. It, then at the desk, I got it to chime and then I, you know, get everything plugged into it, run around to the front. Ah, it's off again. So it just likes shutting off. It just it won't even get halfway through a chime sometimes. It just shuts off. Oh man. All right. So here's the thing. That's that's just the computer thing. Boring computer story. Nobody cares. I'm sure I'll resolve it somehow. Let's say I, I can't resolve it. Things gotta go back to Apple. Happens all the time to people, right? What do people do? I am solved. I have another computer. I even have a booth computer here. I have options, man. But I have options because of privilege and history and choice making in my life. Most people, I would think, have one computer. That seems like the right number of computers to have for a person. Yeah. Yeah. But I do. I am curious. And if you live in New York City, maybe you can just run over to the Cube and they got a million people and they'll fix it for you. I don't know. If I have to send this thing in, which is seeming really likely, we're talking two weeks. If I'm a freelancer, I'm screwed. Yeah. That's a lot of time to be down. Yeah. I don't understand. Like, I just want to understand the logistics. Like, what do actual people do? Do they just go on vacation? Do they do they open up their phone and email their clients and be like, oh, sorry, my computer's having to trouble. I'm going to be a little out of pocket for a while until I get my computer back and their clients just understand? Is that I it? know one guy who used to just buy a computer on a credit card and return it. Like, <laughs> like 
So <laughs> that's a real yeah. And that's then the logistics of what we're yours talking is about. Fixed. You just return the the one you quote unquote borrowed. You know. So yeah. That might be an option. So if you work um, for Dropbox or something, maybe you just tell your IT department and they just give you another one or something. It makes it their problem. Well, but that, that even seems like, you know, yeah, you tell your IT, do you just not work for, for a few days? I don't, I don't, I can't imagine that's like, oh, where's Dave? Oh, he just said his computer doesn't work. So he doesn't, he hasn't checked in in like five days, you know? Uh, what do mm-hmm. you do there? How do you get a computer if your computer broke? I guess you're probably phone and Slack and stuff, but, uh, but then, like, what, what? Yeah, uh, like, what if you get fired, or like, suddenly laid off, which has been happening? You know, like, do you? And that computer was your, you know, like the, the companies, the companies, and now they yeah. want it back. And uh, like, what do you do? Like, uh, I've I've never really been in that situation. I've always like used my own hardware. So, um, I guess I've like used comp other people's hardware, but that was always like a second computer kind of thing, you know? So, yeah, uh, it's funny how often that was. I, I don't have as much job experience as a lot of people do. You know, I only worked at a handful of tech companies that they were small enough or understanding enough or something that when I started there, I was like, I use my own hardware mm-hmm. and they're just like, okay. Yeah. I, I, for some reason just didn't, I don't want a second machine. It just, I don't know, it bugs me for some reason. I know I run two machines now, but they're both mine. I do whatever I want with them, whatever. It just, and usually I, in the, in the past, I've just had one laptop, but I remember, I think I was like this ages ago, I was at like Estelle Wiles house, which she does a lot of contract work and she had a just stack of oh, MacBooks. Max, yeah. Yeah, just yeah. a stack of them. Like this one's for that company. This one's for that company. And maybe she wanted it that way. It probably seems like it, but I, she may not have had a choice. Like if you roll into Salesforce or whatever and say, "I'm going to do some contract for you," they give you that machine. Because yeah, yeah. I think Brad Frost is going through the same thing. I've seen his like decks. He almost needs like a Dobro, like you know the like the that hard drive thing where you like slot in different hard drives and it you know he needs that, but for like computers because um, there's just so many client computers. I appreciate that idea because it's just like all the security is there. Don't worry about it, you know. But it man, it is. Um, it's a lot of work. It's a lot to juggle, you know. So. Um, Hey, yeah. Lot I guess you get anyway. paid. Make make sure they're paying you for that trouble. So uh, we'll see what happens when I send this big old beast back to Apple. And you know, a little extra pain too for us that live in the out in the country or whatever, not near a major metropolitan area. I can't just walk up and. I don't think you're super put out. Like, I mean, if I had to make, try to make a a. <laughs> A reservation at an Apple store in my town that has two Apple stores, it's like days out. So it's just you know, like, oh. I, I don't, you know, yeah. there's, there's no such thing as quick anymore. Because Austin is just popping with, with people. Yeah. I wonder if, I wonder if I almost have it better. Like if I had to go to an Apple store, I could drive there. And the fact that it's not Austin <laughs> means that I could get in earlier. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. And you may have, there may be a guy two towns over. Terry's Mac computers, you know, and Terry knows how to fix it. You know, Terry, Terry just has a weird, he got an Apple license reseller, whatever license in the eighties and is just hung on to it. And there's, you know, might be somebody like that. So, um, we should do some questions from some people here. Questions and answers for your question and answer podcast. I had uh, one come through. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, hey, I recently visited your website and noticed it could benefit from some SEO backlinks uh, to improve <laughs> visibility. Tra- hey, thank you so much, oh Martha. Uh, we are not interested in your spam crap. Oh my gosh. A lot of that. We're at 50% spam, I'd say, on the on the incoming form there. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? At least it's uh at least it's protected by some kind of stuff. I mean, it's in an iframe, people, so somebody probably had to fill that out. Here's a classic one from Ryan F. How does one avoid the general pressure to become a full stack dev? I'm per- perfectly happy doing front end work and don't want to learn any back end 
dev in any deep way. I'd rather spend that time polishing skills like performance, accessibility, browser APIs, and p- then pick up huge new backend skills. However, I'm not in the industry, or the longer I'm in the industry, the more I feel like I get pushed into time to, into doing these things. Yeah, we've heard, we've heard this kind of stuff before, right? Although I think Ryan, you have something going for you in that what you're trying to avoid is is specifically backend stuff, but it doesn't sound like you're trying to avoid like anything else. So you might be kind of good here if you're saying like learning performance is, is on the table for me. Learning browser APIs, meaning probably deep JavaScript work is on the table for you. Learning accessibility is on the table for you. If you knew all that stuff and all your classics, that makes you pretty darn employable still. So I think this pressure that you're feeling to become a full stack dev in that meaning learn Ruby and Python and Go and stuff, eh, I don't know. Call yourself a React dev. Then you'll be there. Yeah, just pretend pretend full stack uh, like everybody else. That's that's a great thing. Um, I, I think for me, it, it it is more about it's more about like demonstrating that you can deliver an entire feature. Does that make sense? Like like. And maybe you don't need like an entire feature. Maybe that's asking a lot, but just like, hey, if I'm going to ask you to like roll out a comment system, this is kind of like our, my classic example, like a, a comment system. Do you know how to do that? Like what, what pieces need to happen, you know? And then like, do you know where your knowledge stops? You know, I'm giving away the Luro uh, <laughs> uh, interview. <laughs> question here uh but it's like do you know where like your knowledge stops you know um and the tricky thing about comments that's fun i like let's, it oh here i'll interview hey chris yeah. welcome to Lero. yeah We're a billion dollar company and uh-huh. we'd love to hire great talent and looking to yep. see make sure your mm. problem your solutions so excited fit our problems um Sorry, I was late. My Tesla uh, was mm. <laughs> acted up. Anyway, uh, yeah, my electric Lamborghini. So anyway, um, <laughs> like, let's just walk. Yeah, do you have like, any questions for me? You know, I'd love to. You know, have you feel out my feel out my rough edges here? What, what do you need yeah, to know? Yeah, so we so let's let's hypothetical. We're building a comment system. What 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 comes to your mind? What are we going to do? Comment system. Yeah, we're adding comments to the app. What 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 kind of stuff are you thinking about? What what would we need to do? Where would man a life? A lot of stuff that? comes to mind. A lot of stuff comes to mind because I think of. I would, you know, I, I tend to be a product-driven person, so I'd want to think like, where where are these going and the existing site? Where does this comment section live? And then, what is the ideal experience like? Like, if we could start this from a from a user experience perspective, what's the what's the perfect thing to happen? I'd like to have that in mind, and then I would think about like, okay, then then what? Now what? What steps need to happen to make that thing a reality? And you know, then along the way, we'd be having frank conversations, hopefully about about the most important aspects of this. Like, let's say our dream system is 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 actually a dream. What are the nice to haves? What are the must to haves? Kind of thing. And I think of stuff for for example, like at some point somebody needs to type some stuff into a text area. Hopefully, we can make that a nice experience for them. But is it a rich text area or is it just a text area? Is it Markdown supported or is it not? Is it do do they have to type in their email address and approve the comment or is it social off or not? You know that kind of thing. So we have our list of what we want the ideal experience to be like, and then we'd maybe we'd shop it around a little too because there's always build versus buy Mm -hmm, there's mm -hmm. always the is there something out there that solves this problem which you just cut a check for and then what's the kind of the culture of the company now are you kind of a build or buy company like do you already have an existing philosophy on that kind of thing let's let's i think we should probably move forward from here from a from a build perspective, because if there's a buy, then you buy it and you integrate it, and and hopefully yeah. that's pretty yeah. straightforward. But if you're going to build it, you know, I can help with some of it, maybe a lot of it, but probably not all of it. 
So I could help with the design of it and the UX of it and the testing of it. I could probably help out with the implementation of it from an HTML and CSS perspective. I could probably help out from a JavaScript perspective of validating the content if it needs to be in some way and the user experience around that. I could send off the data to a server. But I'm not hugely a database guy. I would hope that you'd have somebody smarter than me at at data storage because that person, I think, is going to think about what what kind of database does this belong in? What are the security implications of it? How does it interface with the data that we already store? And I have, I'm just, it's just not my forte. I could participate in those conversations and bring the expertise that has happened in the past for me, but I'm probably not the guy you want to hire to like implement the data storage of your comp of your comment system. Yeah. Pretty good answer. Pretty good. I feel like we've talked before, but, uh, uh, so, uh, no, I, sorry, breaking the fourth wall. Uh, got any crypto? That was, that was a great answer. Like, I think that's like exactly what I would hope somebody would say is like, I'm, like this is like has all these things like the producty stuff I can do the the like HTML I can assist in all that uh, to that part but like kind of like and I can send it off to an API but at that point it's like you know like we could get there <laughs> I could theoretically do that but like it, it's better if somebody else is knowledgeable uh, who who like really wants to own that picks that up I, I think that's like a really great answer. For me, it's like comment systems are easy. Like it's a CRUD app, like add a comment, boom, blam. You know, like like it's a text area and then you save that to a database and then you like show the text area related to some model. Where comments get tricky for me is like, like okay, I'm going to like at mention somebody now. Okay, and Ooh. then they get a notification that fires when that at mention happens. And then like, so, and oh, mm. now we have notifications. Now we have like a whole permission system we have to build. So like, for me, it's like a comment system is pretty easy, but like a mm. good comment system is pretty hard, you know? So Yeah, um, with upvoting and downvoting and what about that? And what about, I well, don't know. React emo- reaction emojis or whatever. Really <laughs> difficult is content moderation with the comments. You know, you'd like to think you could stop it a strip spam a little bit, but, you know, bad human behavior is tricky. Social login might help a little bit with that, but probably not enough. Every comments need to get looked at. The, you know, the, there's still some technical difficulties too, like are you doing nested comments, you know, because then you need to deal with parent-child relationships and such, and then you have to think about edge cases, like what happens when the parent gets deleted, what happens to the children. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. Wow, you know, a comment system is about as complicated as as any other app is. I, for me, it's like the perfect like like feature question, just because it is like this like line between like could be simple or it could be stupid, complex, and you get to see how people think. But anyway. I liked your answer, Chris. I, I think I think like you're just very honest. Like I missed the content moderation. I really wish I mentioned that during the initial one because that's such a that's a huge one. You know, people are just like, let's add chat, and you're like, what are you going to? I always remember that book, uh, Designing for Community, and uh, that was one of the great chapters. That it was like, yeah, you're gonna have somebody watch that chat room 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. No, well then you're not having a chat room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This like let's put forums brother have you ever been on reddit? <laughs> <laughs> my brother in christ have you ever my, been at a forum <laughs> my brother in christ have you been to reddit.com it is simultaneously yeah. awesome and pro- possibly illegal all of it yeah. <laughs> no doubt yeah no, I, so anyway, back to this question um I, I think just you know you don't ryan you don't need to be full stack and i, I think like you know you could even start that with like I hesitate to call myself a full stack developer or something like that, but 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 I would probably also like lean on into like I'm able to like identify the problem, build requirements so I can assist in all that. You know, like I don't know. For me, it, it's more like tell me where your knowledge stops and then what needs to be done after your knowledge stops. Like so I can either hand that off to somebody else, do that myself, or you know, if like it's an offshore company situation, like hand those requirements to offshore, you know, and, and you're happy managing that part of it. That's that would be a load off my shoulders, you know. So like 
Mm. Like I would apply for the full stack jobs or whatever, but I, I think like I would also just be transparent about when your your skills kind of um, plateau or or you're not specialized in that area or something. So I, I do think there needs to be an awakening of like not everyone knows the it, it. It's increasingly harder to know this full stack thing. Like it, it just it's. There's a lot going on in every website. Again, what is our new mantra? Ruthlessly eliminate nuance. Yeah. Like, <laughs> there's a lot to know. Uh, so the idea that you could just, like, be prolific in everything, like, probably not. Like, if I interviewed for CodePen or whatever, like, I don't know Go. So I would have to be very transparent about, like, I don't know Go. I don't actually use React. So, like, I'd like to have a job at CodePen here, but, like, I don't, mm. like... I, those are two things I don't do, and that seems like a big, important piece of your stack. I'm willing to learn, but it's like you know, I don't know if y'all want to pay for somebody to learn that. You know, so I don't even I don't know either. either. Although we have, you know, we hired a I hired a guy. I mean, so a little while back, but I'm just seeing this week. I'm like, wow, we made your whole job go. Sorry about that. <laughs> At least, but just all of a sudden, like there wasn't the first two three projects weren't. Yeah, yeah. But then we're like, we need you on this, and is it? But the, the the thing is, and you're in the same category as this guy. You've been around a while, Dave. You're smart. You've learned a bunch of languages. It's just a language. And if you get dropped, not only is it just a language, but if you get dropped into a code base where it's already all spun up and working and doing all the stuff that it needs to do, you're not really writing it from scratch. You're like, oh, I see what's happening here. I'll just open that file in VS Code because I've searched in project and found the relevant file that's happening. And I'm just going to alter it and then do whatever the console.log of it is, which in in our code base is our own little bespoke logging function. I'm just going to call that a bunch mm-hmm. and output the stuff and see how it works. Oh, I need to make a web request. I'll just Google it quick. Oh, it's not fetch anymore. It's HTTP dot post, but it all, it's not that different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just need yeah. a hair of the handle. And, 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 uh, like you don't know go Dave, but you kind of do. It's like really not that hard. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, like it's it's you know, there's I I do personally get like tripped up on like syntax and like idioms in the language. You know, like, yeah. Like, how, what's the go way? What's the Rails way? What's the you know? Mm-hmm. How does? But if there's a whole code base around it already, yeah. Then then I can copy paste my way through the problems. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, maybe. But yeah, uh, maybe your brain doesn't want to do that. I could. I yeah, but. But I think I could, yeah. But because that's the thing is, like, for me in like backend specific stuff, like the problem, the code, the language is not the problem. It is, it is suddenly, mistakenly, even through a code review, finding yourself in an O N squared problem or something, which I don't even know big O notation, but I just know when I made an uh oh. And now, like my for loop inside of a for loop mm, inside of a yeah. for loop is now spitting out logs. We we wrote three million records to the database in a week on on an app with not that many customers. <laughs> like mm. in like we we just had a a cron job that like just notified the database like hey I did it you know but then it was like running times like five or something like that per user or something like that so anyway. Not Whoops. like, yeah, like in, in this, like sailed through code review. Like we, we knew it might land a little rough and that's fine. But in, in like we reviewed it and we had talked about it even. We were like, this may be a thing we like don't want to do. It might create a bunch of noise. But yeah, it was like, I nowhere was like, we're going to write 3 million records in like a day or two days. Was that on my list, you know? So it's just that. Yeah. Now all of a sudden you're responsible for that. So it's not so much to like, can I do these basic things I need to do? It's that like, it's kind of expected that you're a little bit more proficient of a programmer and that you can, that even if you cause that problem that you could solve it too. <laughs> right. And that's kind of the hope is like, you can identify why and how, and, and I can't say I did a really great job, but it was like a, but I think we figured it out and it was actually like a, a PR branch was causing some errors that to the tune of like 4,500 errors a day or something like that. And like, 
you know, so our sentries filling up, our like log tail logging applications filling up, like every, you know, and then they're like rejecting calls, breaking the app because like stuff's falling in. Mm -hmm. I just was like, it was just like a kind of a full turducken of, of like Mm -hmm. surprises. But so all's to say, I don't think the language mattered. (laughs) I could have been writing Go. I could have been writing JavaScript. Had the same problem. the 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 thing about like whatever applications or what full stack to me is is really more about like getting a sense of like what can go wrong and kind of like back to my comments example. It's like a comment form is not the problem, you know. Um, But like a comment form hooked up to a notification system is a problem. So that's a hard, so, um, in my mind. So very interesting stuff, Dave. I, I also think a little bit that you, you're so used to being like the load bearing developer, um, which is, is this good and important. Right now? Are we <laughs> well, maybe, but or, or perspective alignment or something that uh and then a lot of people are and those are the most devel- most important powerful developers there are but i think in the end there's so many developers out there that aren't they're just yeah. on the team and it doesn't mean they're not as good or necessarily or whatever but they're just if they get into trouble that they can get out of trouble that like 100% of the buck doesn't necessarily stop with them unlike you or it does totally does with you you know I mean yeah that's sort of job title situation for me but like um, but yeah no I mean I I think that's like uh, like I think like yeah people can skate and get help and um, I think that's okay but I, I think like you know just in terms of like somebody marketing themselves just be like hey I can do this and then I my skills sort of stop here, you know? So I think that's very helpful to somebody who's hiring. So indeed. Uh we got one here. It's a good one from our friend Russell Heimlich. Um longtime listener. Mm, hey Russell. Hey Russell. On a scale of one to ten, how much do you miss jQuery? Mm. I, 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 I read this today. And this morning I wrote a little jQuery, ironically. um, (laughs) Ironic jQuery. Yeah, well, I don't know if irony is the right word. I misused it like a plebe there. But uh, I think Andrew in the the Discord had a a thing where he's got an auto width element. And not auto like a div where it fills the the area, in which case I think this would be an easier problem because auto ends up behaving a lot like 100% does and then it gets easier but let's say it's a button element which you don't know how wide it is because it's an inline element or an inline block or whatever the default for a button is so it depends on the size of the text that's in there but he's like okay it's in line but I know that I want to grow it you know 15% on either side so 30% bigger it needs to grow mm-hmm. so you're like you but you just in like but do it in css and you're like i don't think you can i don't think you can say make this thing 30 percent bigger essentially when it starts out as auto if you yeah, knew the yeah. width of it it's easy right but it's just it's just hard to do scale x could do it but he cut that off at the pass and said can't do scale x i mean for one thing it's text so the text will warp that's not good Maybe you could do it with the parent of the thing and not a span inside of it or like have a counteracting thing inside. I'm not saying there's no way to do this. It's just definitely not very straightforward. But he said not even that because it has a very specific border radius on the button and the scale X will warp the border radius. So that was out. I think you had an idea. I I think I kind of misunderstood because it's it's. If it's 231 pixels, it needs to grow 15%. Uh, let's just do 10% because of math. Yeah. Uh, but it needs to grow exactly 23.1 pixels or whatever. So my thought was like before, after pseudo elements that added like 5 or 7.5% of padding or whatever. Um, but I don't know if that would be the width of the element itself or the parent. So that's kind of... Um, that might work. Um, uh, I don't know. That's that's something to think about. The, the thing that was 
so it's width only and not height. I mean, if it was, if it could do height too, then you could just use regular scale and it would leave the border radius alone. And then, but the, the, what do you want the behavior to be? Is it okay to overlap the text around it or is that not okay? Because if it is okay, you'd think those pseudo elements are extra easy because they could just be absolutely positioned and then they just grow in size and it's fine. Uh, but hence, Russell's question was about jQuery. I was like, oh, jQuery's got this. I used to do crap like this all the time with jQuery. Grab a reference to the element, then use dot outer width on it. So you've, you've, uh, you've recorded now. You know what the width is now because you just measured it. It started off as auto, and it still is auto in CSS, but JavaScript knows exactly how wide a 231 whatever pixels, right? Like Dave said. Mm -hmm. Now, because you have the number, you can animate it to that number plus 30% easy. And then that's on hover or on mouse enter or mouse. mouse. What are the two? What's mouse enter and mouse in or something? There's always two mouse that off. always confuse me. Mouse, mouse on. off. <laughs> I can never. I would fail that interview question. What's the difference between mouse off and mouse leave? There is one, <laughs> but I can't yeah, well, remember what it mouse is. Mouse up and mouse. Mouse down. Enter. But there's mouse two leave. for a mouse, mouse leaving. Up, mouse down. Mouse. It's not mouse off, although that would be an awesome mouse oh, yeah. off. Oh, yeah, you love JavaScript? Name every mouse event. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. I thought there was a different leave. Maybe I'm wrong. Mouse, oh, mm, okay, I'm overthinking it. Anyway, hey. so yeah, so I, I wrote it up in jQuery because I was like, oh, I could write this in vanilla JavaScript, but it's almost more it's uh, it's almost more funny in in jQuery, you know, using all those jQuery specific isms. Like for example, I started the pen with a uh, like dollar sign parenthesis and then immediately put a function inside the parenthesis. Ooh, yeah, that, nice. That was that old school like dom ready shortcut. Yeah, immediately invoked. Uh, yeah, yeah, but it's uh, not quite because it's uh, yeah. it's the jQuery version of of an immediately evoked function expression. Yeah, uh, I don't know why they ever made that work. But that was cool, uh, and then and then it kind of like saves a reference to the button that it selects, and then mm -hmm. uses the outer width function and not width, which matters because width only did like it didn't take into account padding or something. You know, you had to kind of know to use the right one. Oh, this is so good! Chaining your on mouse center yeah, on mouse leaves. I forgot to miss use chaining. I miss chaining. I like that. The, how everything was chained, you know, like yeah. some stuff in JavaScript, like array methods you can change, chain uh, only sometimes because some don't return, mm -hmm. some return a clone and some modify the thing. Chaining uh, is held on, I think, as a, as a cool API. It just turns out we didn't need it for jQuery, but twice I've used it recently in APIs that were really, that made sense. One was, uh, you know, it's generally used in like puppeteerish thing, like, like Cypress's, mm -hmm. Cypress's API is very, and t testing is chaining, that like kind of that element is not <laughs> whatever, yeah, like there's a bunch yeah, of, they yeah. chain that. And then I was using Zod. Have you seen that? Yeah, Have you seen the Zod? Zod? Yeah, oh, I'm kind of. I'm Zod curious. I'd say. Right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I can go further into that statement later, but um, uh, uh, we just, you know, it, it it's client side data validation, right? Which is, I think, the a way to think about it, so that you can you can craft some code, call a Zod function, and then be told if it passed validation or not. So if you're ever in that moment where you're like. I'm writing custom validation functions. Know that there's a very small library that kind of standardizes how you might write data validation. But then, as a, this is how I think of it. I'm sure Zadvi will probably think differently. You get this side benefit where the little like validator interfaces that you build can be exported as TypeScript types. So that you just get that little benefit, you can like just export that, and then you you didn't have to you don't you don't have to then also write a TypeScript type. You just like that thing can be used elsewhere. Yeah, it's it's a validator, or like like they say like parse don't validate or something like that, or um or maybe it's the opposite or know. something. It definitely doesn't replace TypeScript though, because it's not like that. It's like you have to write Zod. Well, yeah, like you have to write the Zod TypeScript. Right? Should should like compile out 
Um, yeah. But what what I do I do like it as kind of like a type replacement because sometimes you're just like, hey, before I send this to the database, is this a animal? Like, <laughs> is this an animal? Does it have all the attributes an animal should have? Is it missing something? Send. You know, that's kind of what I want it for because there's actually an integration with Prisma, my ORM that I like, mm-hmm. um, where it's like you can I can export those Prisma classes as Zod classes or Transpilot or whatever, generate my Zods. Uh, and so like then I could be like, cool, is this a post? Is is does this have anything out of the ordinary for a post? You know, like, oh, I'm sending like whatever errant data into my post and that's going to mess me up. Like, that's awesome. You know, we have a couple JSON fields. Like, it would be cool to kind of be like, hey, this JSON kind of has this structure, you know, like TypeScript Ooh, actually yeah, would be kind of right. ideal for that. But like, but like, create like a pseudo interface, like, hey, this is what I expect in here and this one's optional and this one's optional, but this one's kind of required, you know, if it's a certain type of component or something like that. So, um, Anyway, uh, that that's anyway. That was kind of like a I, I I'm Zod curious right now. So um. yeah, yeah. The, I don't I don't. I'm, it's early days for us too. We're just about to land a couple of PRs. I think that 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 put it in there. But the you know, and it's it was a it was a it was a it was a healthy discussion to have because we already have TypeScript, so you're already getting some kind of validation from that. And I realize they're yeah. philosophically different in a way, and um react so there's some prop type stuff checking data in the in that aspect of the code i mean that doesn't help all over the place but it helps in the at the com- kind of component level and th- that was it's always obnoxious to me to know that you're we, you have to have like a tsx component in in react and then you have to do both like it has to be TypeScript and it has to have prop type prop types on it. I'm like, oh, suck it. I hate this, you know. Yeah. And we've yeah. Had, we've had lots of talks about json validation JSON specific validation. So we've done work for um, using JSON schemas, the official way to validate that. And we we are using some of that too. And we're like, is this a fourth freaking thing for, <laughs> for validating? Nice, but what dude, you've yeah. lost is TypeScript is better than prop types. I would love to just rip all the prop types out of our entire app. But prop types are prop types are runtime and TypeScript is not. Mm. So, you know what I mean? Runtime data matters when it comes, stuff comes in from the server, user generated content, whatever, that matters. And so, but Zod is, Zod saves that in, in a way is that if we got rid of the prop types entirely and we're Zodding more things, Zod is client side, is runtime. Zod is client side. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, like there, there's some benefit. I think like here's an example. Back to the comment thing, right? Like let's say you're making a Twitter clone, like everyone's yeah. doing. Uh, you know, if I type at Chris, mm-hmm. that's a DM or something like that. Let's sure. say or something like that. TypeScript's not going to be able to be like if message starts with at type at. No, the at symbol, no. like TypeScript can't do like that. Like as far as I know, I cannot do that message no. to my knowledge. Yeah, so like that's like a place where you need this third validator, you know, or or whatever validator setup sort of thing. So right, because you could even talk string length and stuff. I don't think you can totally. do it in TypeScript. Like, like to comment on this website, you need to write the word fart. And if it doesn't have the word fart, I reject it. And so, like, you know, that would be a case, which I'm sure the Zod team is happy I'm promoting this use case above all things. Yeah. That would be a case where Zod would work perfectly. Like, whatever, comment must have, comment.message body must have word fart, but otherwise reject, you know? So it would. And I, I, I don't know what, I don't know what the TypeScript type would look like that you would export from that, but it would try. And it would, you know what I mean? It would, it would at least be string. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. TypeScript would be like, that's a string. That looks great. Yeah. You know? That's I'm not put it in the empty. App. So, uh, yeah. And it's not empty. It got required, but like, I, I you know, so anyway, that's, uh, all to say, uh, Zod curious. Just, uh, seems, <laughs> yeah. you know, I didn't, I don't know if it's uh, powered it's by Zig tr- or, um, <laughs> no, it does. Zod it's, powered a, by Zig? it's a very funny name and, I don't know. I think it got some good press when 
when Astro said they're they're really all in on sodding it up. That's their validator. Well, I kind of went into that world, and there's kind of Zod for everything, right? Like like every flavor of that you're doing, you know, there's like there's somebody's converted it to Zod, and so that's kind of cool. Yeah. So right, that was definitely one of our questions, though. Is like how server side cool is it? Like if you have a Node app, it's probably fine, right? Because it's JavaScript, everything's JavaScript. Yeah. But if you're like our backend is in Python or in Ruby or something, mm. and you definitely need to validate the data there too. How reusable? Yeah, yeah. None reusable. None. That's the answer. Right. And now you're maintaining rules in two right. places. Right. So the so the question was, you know what is reusable? JSON schemas. JSON schemas are JSON is so universal. Yeah. That there is a JSON schema validator in every language that you want it to be in. So why don't you just write JSON schemas for your validation? Well, the answer is no, not everything is JSON, you know. <clears throat> Hey, moving away from XML was a mix mistake. XML <laughs> .NET 3.5 framework. Um, we've we've drifted far. <laughs> I know. I know. That's why it's funny to see a question like like Russell's, which is so great about jQuery. You're like, man, those can days use, were. Can I use jQuery? <laughs> yeah, it just answered none of those questions. Like, but it, but but it just didn't. It wasn't. It wasn't for those questions, you know. But it makes you nostalgic for a time when you just didn't worry about stuff like that. You got the string value of a dang thing, and you just sent it right along. And you know what. I, I what I miss too. There's a few things like like for loops. You know, like I could do like dollar post like for or each. Right? Wasn't it each was the method? Um, and you we have for each in JavaScript now, which is cool. But I, I guess like there was something I felt like it was like we didn't have that for a while. Um, and you had to do post of posts or whatever. Um, yeah. Uh, where, what am I getting? But one other thing I'm like missing was like, if I do like dollar post dot adder, uh, what, uh, as a setter or a getter. Yeah. Like a setter getter. Uh, I'm saying like, let's, let's set an attribute data foo equals bar. Right. Mm -hmm. In JavaScript, that's a for loop. So I have to say like document query selector, all post for, each go do this and then if attribute exists set the attribute other or like yeah in vanilla javascript it's messy and in jquery it was a one-liner right right that that's where i like miss I, as, as good as like the dom apis are now i miss some of those like very sweet conveniences where it was just like hey i'm just modifying the whole page and if it doesn't work out that's fine like like jquery had good bailing strategies like if it got confused it'd just be like cool i'm not going to do that one i'm going to go to the next one whereas as we all know regular javascript is like if it chokes it just dies on the whole page so that's what i miss so mm -hmm. yeah dude yeah so russell yes missable uh, we got one. We got one. Do we have time to do one more? I'm sure we do here, right? Yeah, I can do one more. I can. Uh, Felix writes in. Mm -hmm. uh, like you guys, I've been skeptical of the benefits versus costs of learning TypeScript, but also like you guys, seem to be begrudgingly reaching the acceptance stage where I'm considering learning it. Do you have any resources or tips you've found? <laughs> I guess we just did this one kind of. Uh, it's sort one, of. It's I one mean, of the things in your toolbox of stuff. Yeah, it does yeah. seem like it's a... Uh, I, I don't I don't know. I, it's just... I guess I need to sit down and write because that's the only way my brain works usually. But it's a, it's a, it's definitely like a little good, a little bad still in TypeScript land. But it really depends on a million things, and there's so many things that in the web, you know, there's so many different kinds of projects that I can't. There's never going to be an answer. To yes, am I looking to add it to my WordPress websites? I am not. You know, but I'm sure some people would answer otherwise that they just are so used to the syntax that of course they would set it up for any JavaScript they write. Yeah, I'm gonna ruthlessly eliminate nuance and say, get it out of the f stack. This is a piece of. <laughs> shit. It's way too many farts in the engine. Get it out of here. So get it um, out of here. I 
I'm just kidding, but it's fine. Uh, there are benefits, but I think what, what's getting me is like more code is showing up in TypeScript, you know, like, and so when I read something, it's like, oh man, it's, it's just like when all of a sudden, like everything's in SAS, you know, and you're like, oh man, like, like what's, why is there a for loop inside my CSS file, you know? And so now you're like trying to figure that out. Um, I feel like the grammar for like Nuxt just, or sorry, view just added this like generics type, you know? So like you say script setup generic equals T and I'm just like, we're out of control. Everybody, <laughs> <laughs> Like we're like modifying the script tag with a TypeScript attribute, like uh, a generic type mm. attribute. It's like, you know, and like, why do generic types even exist? I'm sure that there's a reason, obviously, but it's just like user generated content. Eh? Yeah. Well, but I'm but hey, like, well, anyway, I just, yeah, there's all kinds of reasons, but anyway, uh, the, the, uh, uh, yes, here's a, here's a thing that I, re, I, I think the reason it gets steam and now I'm finding it living in this code base that's partially. TypeScript, which I think probably a lot mm-hmm. of people are, you know, yeah, and and having some experience with typed languages now for me through Go and all that is that you get used to your VS Code experience, you being able to hover over anything and have it just be like, oh, here is a lot of information about what is happening right here, and then sometimes you hover over something and you don't get anything, and you're like, that sucks. I want. I hovered over you because I wanted to know something. Please, and you're like, oh yeah, the thing is that thing that it's calling it hasn't been converted to TypeScript yet in our code base. And there's a strong temptation to be like, I'm gonna go update it because then when I hover over it, it's gonna tell me what's going on. It, whether or not there's any real value to that or not, I think there is that can ha- that can snowball in code bases where you just get really used to the idea that there's more like internal intelligence of your app when you've done the conversion it's very tempting to convert stuff yeah secondary question from Felix is do you have any resources for learning it I will tell you one story there I only ever learn things by just having to do them professionally or because I'm building something that I want to build ever. That's the only way I've ever learned something. So when I learned TypeScript, I'm like, I'm going to switch that on its head. I'm going to do the courses because I should, Mm -hmm. I should, you know, there's value to, it's not like I never do courses, but I usually only do it when it's like in conjunction with doing something for real. But I did TypeScript kind of ahead of time and I went to this program or this website called Execute Program. So there was no video. It was only you you learn through like these examples of this ever-growing page that's like here's some code answer a question about it here's some now you write some code that fixes this problem and then we're going to teach you like you just were constantly hitting next 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 writing code having it check and stuff it was very interactive learning experience and i did the entire beginner course and the entire intermediate course and then i started the advanced course i think but it took a long time because the way that they they schedule these things is you can't you can't work ahead you have to you have to stop at some point. It's like, nope, that's good for now. Come back tomorrow, and I'd be like, okay, I will, and I did it. And and now, I it's not it's it's just my brain. I'm not trying to like dunk on them or anything. I retain nothing. Mm. It's like I did that for German or something. I still have to if I go convert stuff. I have to be like, oh, how do you do a function again? Oh, how do you do props? Oh, yeah, that's weird. Like I just I feel like I I had that in my brain for like five minutes. While mm, I was doing the yeah. thing, so uh, it, it just for me it just has to be part of the thing that you're building, and you have no choice but to do it because that decision's been made, and that's the language we're using, and we're using it to accomplish real things. And I, I would agree, like syntax for fun, um, probably, <laughs> yeah, not going to stick, right? Like, um, I, speaking of syntax, I think Wes Boss is working on a TypeScript course, so that I'm actually excited for that to drop. I think what what I need, you know, which I haven't seen, is like a TypeScript for babies, like a like if you do these three things, this imp- this will improve your whole code base, you know, and, and it's worth the cost of adding this whole thing to your your build process and all this junk, you know. So, um, I like interfaces are like the main thing I want, you know, like that idea. 
Um, but I don't know. I'm like also like, could I just do JS doc and get what I need? Maybe. So I just need to do that, you know? And so maybe I need like a post, you know, somebody can write this, but like a post, like, here's why you should just do, you know, JS doc. So I don't know. We actually, we have some services in our app, like, um, that are like, it's a turbo repo thing. Um, you know, they're fine. Uh, like as JavaScript, but you know, it might be worth us like migrating one or two to TypeScript just to see what we get. You know, I think that's kind of on our roadmap just to like, like introduce it in some yeah. isolated places, not mm-hmm. across the board, so that we can get some exposure and see if we like it or it's helpful at all. So, um, might be something I do here. I don't know. I could do it this summer. I got a project in there that needs to be done. So, heck yeah. Who knows? And it's like when you're dealing with data, that's also like it's a good place to do it. So, um, heck yeah, dude. A little ways in. Do you have any other things you're thinking about as far as as far as the web platform is concerned? No, I we I mean we can make this another show about view transitions um, if we want colors, view transitions, and passkeys. That's this podcast for yeah. the rest of time here. Um, uh, I I have been thinking a lot about like. Uh, Dean Almar, uh, formerly mm-hmm. Google, formerly Shopify, uh, had a really good post. Um, did you see it? Did you read it? Building a modern design system in layers. Did you read oh, that? I did not um, read that. Um, here, let me give you a. Um, I didn't know he was a design systems guy. I don't know him that well. well. I I think he uh, was doing like I think he was part of the remix acquisition at Shopify. Um, oh, really? And then uh, got kind of mixed up in the whole layoff situation but um but anyway so he like they're di- we're building hydrogen right at, at Shopify I believe if I'm hopefully mi- not misrepresenting um but he kind of is talking about these layers right of 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 a design system you have html css as the foundation and that's your design tokens like how you're structuring things okay uh, accessibility built into that right that's the lowest layer or something that's the lowest that's the base layer and then on top of that layer is custom elements which is like the minimal interactivity that can't be done with html and css so okay you're talking about like modals toggles etc and then on top of that is the framework layer, and he has React, Svelte, Solid, View. Mm, I feel like Brad Fro- Brad Frost would agree with this too. That there there's overlap. I think I think so too. And from in my brain, it's like if I was a framework author right now, I would be rapid. I would be pushing web components because like, hey, it has the whole lifecycle built into the browser. Just use that. Like like. We we offer very little in addition to that, so just use that. And then, um, but but what we offer is actually kind of orchestrating that whole DOM. We've called it the DOM manager in the past, you know. But but this whole idea of like, you know, like if I click a button and I go fetch some data and I come back and I have to change the props and on and attributes on like ten thousand children. Dave Ruper doesn't want to write that for loop, you know, by hand. Hmm. I just want to like, I want a framework to just be like, yeah, dude, I, I go fetch the JSON or whatever. And I, I can spit out 20 custom elements or 10,000 custom elements with all this new data. No problem. That's what I do. That's my bread and butter. Um, it wouldn't be too hard for Dave Rupert to write, but when I'm I'm talking about writing it over seventy templates in an application or something like that, I want a predictable interface framework that helps me do that in a responsible yeah. way and has very common patterns, authentication, security, image loading, etc. Yeah, um, stuff like that. Mm. I'm trying to wrap my mind around some of that. Stuff so much was I have some of it wrong in my head, and some of it seems rightfully confusing. But so let's say you have this button component, right? Which would be classic in any framework. You would not write it in React or whatever. You would only write it as a custom element because that's a that's a medium layered component, and it kind of deserves not being in a framework because it's the job is more appropriate at that middle layer. Fine, right? But it's very reasonable that I need to attach an on-click, a custom click handler. What happens when I click that button? 
and w- how do I give the web component that function from the framework above it is like just confusing to me and I don't I can't picture it exactly. I mean you could still use the framework to add like the framework doesn't care if it's a button or whatever. It it just you're adding a click handler to a div basically, you know. Um mm-hmm. like so you could have like the framework add the click handler or you could have some kind of like Maybe that click is a prop or something. It's a prop, or, right? That yeah, emits yeah. something that the framework understands. Um, I, I think there's a few ways to go about it. Um, all is to say, I think with like view transitions and this stuff, or, or just this, like web components being somewhat mature and the and in every browser, I think there's like a really we said it for years. A good time to rethink the web on what what our sites can be or should be or or how we can ruthlessly eliminate nuance and make our code bases 10x slimmer you know i mean luro is a pretty simple application but we have a lot of code you know and i would love it if that got cut in half that would make my day you know so mm-hmm. how does that happen you know like how do we make that get cut in half and i don't know if there's like a instant way but i like what 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 moves the needle and and just Stuff like, I feel like, you know, using the platform, you know, HTML forward stuff, I think that's like a big, big deal. And and I think it opens the opportunity, like maybe your DOM manager, your DOM orchestrator isn't something like React and maybe it's Astro, you know, maybe that's actually doing the DOM lifting, you know, like, like maybe you don't. you know, that, that fetches all the posts and renders the loop, you know, like maybe you don't need you know, uh, a big bad um, JavaScript framework to uh, to loop through stuff on a button click. You know, so um, especially yeah, if it's a uh, because you know I, I still I think of Astro mostly, and th- this is my fault as the like oh well that's but that's just during build only. But they're like no, 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 no it talking, can be a cloud deal. Yeah, on. You know, yeah, I, I think like, you know, there's apps, but like Ruby on Rails, like I know y'all are kind of trying to squeeze out of it, but like that's like another example. It's just like, you know, like maybe Ruby on Rails is great, you know, like maybe <laughs> Ruby on Rails plus view transitions is awesome, you know, like maybe that, that gets us all the way there. So, and then maybe your button that needs to turn on like, private, public, or whatever that you have in CodePen, like maybe that's the web component, you know? And that's that's just those little tiny interactivity bits are are uh, rendered, you know, dynamically, you know? So, yeah. And you didn't have to load a whole React just to do see that, you know? So I found out this is totally tangential. I know we got to wrap up, but uh, I ha- we had uh, some... We had a bad performance score. I was using Luro for Luro. I had a bad performance score on a blog post. And I was like, what's going on? Why is this 10 megabytes? You know, (laughs) why is this blog post 10 megabytes? I open up Web Inspector. It had four Mastodon toots in it. Mm. Every Mastodon toot loads React. It loads Font Awesome. It loads two versions of Roboto. And it it self-hosts all those. So they all come from their own domain. Right, mm-hmm. and then if those toots are from a different server, there's a service worker in there to cache it, right? Which is awesome. But if those toots come from the same domain, like or from different domains, like mastodon.social, yeah, mastodune.social, uh, queer.party, whatever, like if those come from different places, now you get r- repeated versions of it, and something like two megs per uh, toot comes through yeah and uh we had a 10 megabyte blog post so embeds are the worst man there's better ways man there's just better architectures out there <laughs> yeah we can do better right we kind of feel it like we're so responsible with our embeds we keep them all real tight you know no libraries no fonts real fast but even then i don't i don't necessarily blame somebody that you know, and people are, you know, annoyed. I think the Twitter's had some problems with their embeds lately, and it's just been like, dude, I think you're way better off with the JPEG anyway. Just JPEG yeah, it. For sure. PNG, well, and I try sucker. to be responsible, right? Because I want like some text or actual text, but like my like alt. 
screen readers just skip over the embedded tweets. I mean, it's so ridiculous. Anyway, that's where web components would be better because it would be part of the DOM. Hey. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did verify that at one point they did actually ship a web component version of embedded tweets, but it was very short-lived. And um, I don't know why. I think just technical debt and teams. It was probably a people issue more than a technology issue. You'd like to think that those things are technology issues and they never are. No, 900% of the time it's because one kid, one intern did something and then they like decided to not, you know, like, like one intern did a thing and then uh, they decided like that intern doesn't work here anymore. We can't support this. So, Mm. all right, Mr. Dave, we learned a lot today. (laughs) Yeah. This is uh this has been good. So we've talked about a lot. So thank you, dear listener, for sending in your questions. We could always take more. We love those. Uh, and then thank you for downloading this new podcast your choice. Be sure to start right, favorite up. That's how people find out about the show. Join us in the Discord. That's where the party is. Uh, Patreon.com slash shop talk show. And Chris, you got anything else you'd like to say? Just the shop talk show.com. 